0: I've learned that awkward segues into ads are just a part of hosting a podcast these days, similar to how awkward phases are part of growing your business with features dedicated to sales, marketing services, and more HubSpot CRM platform is here to help your business grow better every step of the way with intuitive visual workflows and bot builders HubSpot CRM platform can automate campaigns across your website, email, social media, digital ads, and chat for clear communications and zero mixed messages. With the Teams feature, you can organize your accounts by teams and segment leads, sort through content, and easily view team performance reports. And thanks to sequences, you can now create flows to automate sales outreach, follow up, and timed personalized emails so that you can scale your customer relationships like never before. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We are here on a uh, lovely Friday afternoon. I don't know if it's lovely here in Charleston, it's a little gray, but we've got Jenny Weigel, who is a strategic consultant around communities and uh, has been able to venture off on her own. Uh, company is called Jenny.community and comes to us today to talk all about community and how it, it is starting to tie into uh, B2B organizations more and more. Uh, so Jenny, appreciate you hopping on and um, talking talking it through with us.
1: Thank you. Hello, Jeff. Hello to all of the listeners and the members of the Gain, Grow, Retain community, of which I am a member. So uh, uh, very proud to be and good yeah, to be here.
0: I like that. Uh, that's, always, that's always nice. Um, we can have and support members on here too. So I always like to do a couple icebreakers at the beginning. Um, so I didn't give you a heads up, but um, I always like to do a couple icebreakers to you know, get to know you a little bit better here in the first couple minutes of the show and, um, and think, you know, make sure our audience gets to as well. So first icebreaker, um, does like a perfect Sunday morning look like to Jenny? You know, it's, it doesn't have to be right now, but like, when you think about your perfect Sunday morning, it could be in, you know, it could be when the weather's nicer, but whenever, but like, if we're looking at, um, in the a day in the life of Jenny, what does a, a perfect Sunday morning look like?
1: I'm very fortunate to live on the West side of Los Angeles, uh, and close to the beach path. So, you know, first thing on a Sunday morning, you hand me a fresh cup of coffee and a fresh croissant, uh, you know, and open that door and let me just go and take a little walk along the beach path. And that is a perfect start to my day.
0: Oh, uh, I'm jealous. That is, um, I usually start with coffee as well. The croissant is a, a nice touch. Um, I'm on board. I'm on, I'm on the opposite coast. Um, but, and so we're, and we're a little bit further from the beach, but I like to get there if I can, uh, on the weekends, we've got, uh, two dogs. And so if we can take the dogs down and, Uh, let them enjoy, you know, nice little beach run in the morning. Uh, One of our favorite times is kind of like that October time period for us, where it's like just starting to get a little cold. Uh, There's not a lot of tourists. And so the beach is actually relatively open uh, on that at that time. So that is like a perfect time for us.
1: That sounds ideal, Josh.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Second icebreaker um, for you is uh, what, if you, are you a home, home chef? Do you like to cook?
1: I like to eat what my partner cooks. <laughs> I like, have yeah. attempted cooking every now and then. So I'm happy to, I'm happy to open up okay, about well, those moments. <laughs> it
0: just, it just changes. I can make, I can adapt the question. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, so, you know, what is your, what is your perfect? We're on a Friday night right now. What's like the perfect Friday night meal. Um, I was going to say that you like to cook, but what's the perfect Friday night meal that you like to eat? You know, what's your, um, what are you going to be, getting into, you know, later after you, you, uh, take off the headphones and put the computer away. So
1: my partner, John has actually perfected his burger that he makes at home. And I don't know if he'll I'm just going to say the magic ingredient. Actually, the patties are made out of short rib. So that's kind of what makes it stand out. But man. he, the way he melts the cheese perfectly, and he uses a sauce that he makes here at home that is his version of In-N-Out sauce.
0: So oh, man. It's,
1: uh, and it's pretty spot on. Um, the right amount of pickles. Uh, he'll also do homemade buns. And yeah, all that together. That's what I ask him to make for my birthday every year. <laughs> and I just You're- love it. I just love it. If anyone, listening, you so ever in Los Angeles. you want to look me up and try it, John's burger would love to have you over.
0: <laughs> I love it. That is uh, man can't go wrong with the burger. Like uh, my wife would joke with you that whenever we go to like a brunch spot or anywhere, like even for lunch, like if there's a burger on the menu, like nine times out of 10, it's like, Jeff's probably going to get that. Um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty standard food item in my house too. Um, I'll give you ours. We've been doing a lot of homemade pasta and we just made this, non-tomato based it's kind of like red pe- red pepper based um pasta sauce this past weekend and um it was really good and you know i've i've been kind of dreaming about putting that back into his pasta and eating it uh this weekend at some point
1: that sounds delicious john has also done an oxtail tortellini homemade uh oh and my gosh. I mean, yeah it takes him all is day there? to actually wrap the
0: <laughs> he's he an amateur he, yeah he's an <laughs> amateur not a real, i was about to say he's a yeah, uh, I was about to say he's he somewhere the, are you hiding? Yeah like, yeah you're just hiding a, a, a head chef of a restaurant at your house and um, you're getting all this great stuff. Um, well, I hope John listens to this cause he gets a lot of good shout outs here. I'll make um, sure he
1: does. He keeps me well nourished so that I can do my job properly and, yeah. and be the best consultant I can to communities.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to talk today about communities. Um, it is, I think something that's come up more and more in our, our customer success community, um, in our world is that leaders are are starting to look at community really as, um, a way to engage customers. They're looking at it as a way to potentially deflect support tickets. They're looking at it as a way to host events and discussions. There's so many different variations. Um, And so I'm curious, you know, in the work that you're doing now, like how do people get started? Where do they start? Like, there's so like, I think there's probably four or five main use cases that kind of stand out. And if I had to imagine I'm making the assumption, but if I had to imagine people probably try and go do all five at the very beginning and you kind of just get stuck or don't make a lot of good progress. And so how, how do you think about, you know, helping to narrow that focus and saying, okay, where, where do we start with this? How do we make sure that it's kind of driving the right income or income We're driving the right outcomes um, that our business needs?
1: Yeah, Jeff. So you're right. There are all kinds of advantages and disadvantages around the topic of community right now, especially because it has become so popular uh, because when entering the COVID era, so many businesses realized, oh, we really want and need an online community space for our customers to come together. And So the good part about that is that word is getting out. I mean, our field is growing. There are so many more opportunities in this and we're seeing more and more communities every day. But one of the downsides is that of that is that a lot of brands are rushing into things because they just feel like we have to have this now. We have to have this now. So that's usually when I get contacted. And I feel really lucky that the last couple of client projects I've had have all been with executive teams of certain brands who are doing their due diligence to really talk through what do we need to do to set the foundation for this? So this is the early, early stages, Jeff. This is even before they're ready to sit down and create a strategic plan. I mean, they're talking about, we have this idea, we know it can benefit us, which that's also a huge milestone for our field that they already know that. Uh, And They're asking me things like, how do we budget for this? And maybe not even this fiscal year, for, for next fiscal year, what should be an ideal timeline? And what other elements do we need? And the one element I always tell them, hire, hire someone who will be the visionary of this, a community director, community manager, uh, whatever level that is going to be, and allow that person be, to be part of it from the beginning. And don't bring them in, you know, when you've already got everything done, and you're just saying, execute this. No, let them bring their expertise and their vision to, to the the community so they can help you build it. Uh, that all sounds like maybe a couple of easy steps, but there's a lot behind every bit of that, that I just said, Jeff.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. I, th- I think one of the things that stands out to me too, that, um, we've experienced, especially with our gain grow, community we did early on. Um, and I'm curious if you've seen this too, is, um, and this might be maybe a step after the stuff you're talking about already, right? They're kind of, they're kind of doing that, that due diligence they're doing the pre-work. Um, but one of the things that I thought was powerful when we launched gain grow, was, um, even just talking to people and having the 15 to 20 minute conversations with your customers or with, in this case, our, our members before we came out with the online community, even say, Hey, what are you looking for? What are you needing? What are you? And so, um, to me that, what that helped us do is kind of marry what we saw as our vision and, and where we were going with, Hey, what's the actual vision of the people who are, are coming to us, right? We're attracting somebody to come to this community already without having an online community part, which, which was our, challenge to go solve. And so even asking that was really interesting because you started hearing again it's kind of hard right because there's there's some noise that probably comes through in those discussions where it's hey we can't please everybody but by and large what you started hearing is um and the reason why we launched our online community was hey I need a I need a place to connect and share like I need a place to connect and share these ideas or these topics I have questions that I want to get answered from others and that was like the the predominant um aspect that we were coming through and so we tried to center our whole experience online around just getting into discussions as fast as possible. Cause it was like, that was the number one thing that it wasn't, Hey, I needed to know more about events or I needed more, maybe that comes in the future, but that was like the number one thing. So I'm curious how you've um, thought about that aspect of kind of this early stage as well as like, are there good ways to go ask your customers or your current members of community or, you know, small groups, uh, your uh, CSMs might have aspect aspects of that. So I'm curious how you've maybe facilitated some of those conversations before too, about um, bringing in that customer lens. Yeah, and I
1: love what you said as part of your own journey with Gain, Grow, Routine is that you talked to your community members first, and they indicated what they needed, and you provided that space for them. So... That is something that, believe it or not, a lot of brands haven't thought to, to do just yet. And so, I want to just reiterate as much as possible that should definitely be a first step: talking to your community. If you don't have a community yet, um, if you don't even have customers yet, you know, what is your audience? And go and speak to them. So, you know, if we were talking to the people out there that uh, who already have a a community and Maybe you haven't touched base with anyone recently or had one-on-one conversations about um, how are things going? How do people like what's happening? What more do people want to see? Schedule some of that one-on-one time and, you know, get a feel for the pulse of the community now. And if you've never started one, but you have high hopes to start a customer community soon, then what... I think you should do is, uh, tap some of your customers and ask them and run the idea by them. And don't just tap your top customers because they're, you know, because they've probably already got this level of loyalty to you and using a lot of your products, services. That's great. Uh, but your qualitative feedback might be a little biased. If you're just talking to your top customers, talk to a brand new customer, talk to somebody who, um, maybe, you know, that has been a customer for uh, a little while and maybe they're not, that engaged with you, you hear from them sometimes. You know, just try to get people at different stages of yeah. their journey with you, so that you get a really widespread view of what your customer base would think if you were to start this digital space up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that point a lot. We, I mean, we we talk about that quite often. We did a um, we did an init- initiative here when we first joined back in twenty twenty of like fifty customers in fifty days when we went to go just try and and talk to a customer a day, and it was um, yeah, it it wasn't just the top customers. It was, it was happy customers, unhappy customers. It was big, small, like, but the more cross section you can find, um, you can then also, um, just start to understand a little bit more about like the, um, the needs of certain types of organizations, you know, at the end of the day, you can, we can try and segment in certain ways to try and help, you know, kind of bring those groups of people together. Um, so that makes a ton of sense. What's your, what are your feelings on surveys? And I mean, I just mean like, you know, are you, um, when you think about this type of feedback, right, you're trying to collect from whether you have members today or it's just customers, um, you know, are you kind of pro survey, uh, are you, you know, no, no surveys. Like I, I kind of go, I, I kind of go back and forth. I have an opinion, but I'm just curious if you've, if you've seen it done well, and if you can, uh, if you've seen how that could be, um, kind of executed Is like even surveying more than just the customers that you're able to talk to.
1: Yeah. When I'm working with my clients on, what I call this whole part of it, the research phase. Uh, yeah. And so in the research phase, I definitely recommend uh, a general survey that goes out to the entire population, something they can fill out on their own time, but I never recommend it alone. More important than surveys, in my opinion, are those one-on-one interviews you decide to do with the people who match different criteria. And yeah. I do think that bringing that up to Uh, some clients I've had in the past has been a little discouraging because of the amount of time it takes to do that. It is not one of those things where you can whip up a survey and then watch the results roll in and boom, you can move on to other things. So this is one of those things that takes time and effort and attention. However, by doing that with the people who are selected, whether these are already community members or their future community members, that personal attention goes a long way. And I think any customer success professional listening uh, would probably understand the importance of that when they do give their clients that one-on-one attention in any capacity. It's the same when you're talking about community with them in a one-on-one manner.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, you know, I, I think about the same thing, you know, about the the survey piece. I think a lot of times people say, oh, there's survey fatigue. You know, we don't, we get low response rates. And um, I kind of go back to, you know, typically you're getting low response rates because the survey is more about you than it is about them. And you're probably getting low response rates as well, because you don't actually follow up in a meaningful way afterwards. Like it's just, uh, I don't know, I filled out probably 10 surveys last year and, you know, I don't know how many actually followed up with me. And it's, be, you know, it's so like, really it kind of goes in a black hole and it's like, all right, well, why did I waste my time to do that? And so I think if you can craft the survey in a way, that's more about them and than about us, that's probably just step number one. And then two is showing the meaningful um, way to bring that survey back into the fold. And so um, one example that we did is when we started um, gain, grow, retain, we actually launched it as a weekly phone call. Um, and so that was kind of the first iteration of our community. We asked an NPS survey after every single call, and the way that we drove like a 70% response rate. So we had about 200 people live on those calls and we had about a 70% response rate to that. And the reason we did was um, we would take five minutes at the beginning of the next meeting and review the results from the last one and what we were doing about it. So the first one, we started with a panel and then session number two, we came in the first five minutes. We said, your NPS was decent, but the main number, you know, the main feedback was we don't like panels. We want to talk. And so we adjusted the format. And so I think, you know, going back to your point as well, right, the, the survey in and of itself, isn't really the, um, the end it's like, no, this is a mechanism for us to create the right conversation. And if we can do the one-on-ones and we can have other pieces of qualitative feedback and we can kind of pull that together in this research phase, it really starts to make a difference.
1: Jeff, you really brought that full circle and many other departments, even outside of customer success could benefit from that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I, I like it so. a lot. Hey, Gengar Otane. I wanted to tell you about the duct tape marketing podcast hosted by John Jantz and brought to you by the HubSpot podcast network. The Duct Tape Marketing shares tips, tactics, and resources for you and your business. One thing that they've talked about recently is mapping out where your best customers want to go, which hits on a core customer success tenet of customer journey mapping. So go listen to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. What, um, what do you think about as the... So you kind of mentioned research is in that first stage or that early, early stage. What, 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 what do you move from after research as you start thinking about kind of the how and where?
1: Uh, using the research at that point, then to start creating the strategic plan. So now you're ready to start talking about goals, target audience, uh, content, programming, activities, uh, and let's say processes and so forth. And as you move into that subject matter, which, which, if done right, is not done overnight, is something that will take a while to, to start forming this plan on how you're going to execute the community, but also how you're going to measure it. Uh, there's many times in the creation of that where you're going to need to reference the research that was just done. And, okay, so we're talking about what kinds of activities and programming we're going to do in the next year. How many should we have? Well, Let's go and look at those results from the survey and the interviews and see what people said they want to have for experiences. What kind of virtual events did they want to say? What kind of incentives do they want? What what do they say will drive them back into the community and incentivize to do them more? So there's so many critical elements of the research that then play an important part in the strategic planning, which is why... I really, I, I believe firmly you cannot start the strategic planning without the research. And I personally won't work with any clients willing who want to skip that and just go to yeah. the plan. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't think so.
0: Gotta, yeah. You got to, got to have some of that, uh, that direct feedback in order to, uh, to craft the plan and understand that, like the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, I love the, the angle that you're going down to right the measurement piece. I think, you know, by and large, maybe the number one question that, uh, we see in the, in our in our gain grow conversations that are happening, especially around community, or even about um, customer success programs or platforms that they're buying technology. I mean, the number one question is always like, okay, how do I prove the ROI? Um, and so I'm curious how you try and, and, and think about that problem because I, if I'm guessing, uh, I'm just gonna take a guess and would love for you to to fill in the gaps here. But it's not like a a it's not a one size fits all. And b uh, the other thing about like measuring ROI is also um, you need to be able to tell a story of like direct and indirect influence. And, um, like, you know, there's gotta be kind of a myriad of ways that we can talk about this story that, um, it isn't just a, Hey, you know, Hey, we drove a million dollars and we've spent a hundred thousand dollars on this community. And it's a, you know, I don't know, I don't do public math. So I don't know what that ROI is, but, um, but it's not just as clear cut as that, right. There's, there's so many nuances and different ways to look at this. So I'm curious how you approach that, Um, kind of that question when people start saying, Hey, Jenny, community is great, but how do I start proving the ROI and and measuring that to, to tell the story internally?
1: Well, I mean, first, what are you measuring it against? What are you measuring for that? that It all comes back to the strategic plan and what goals were defined? How were they defined? Um, what are the metrics you chose in the beginning to measure those goals? It's never just one. It's never usually just one metric. It's usually a few metrics at least that you're gonna need to follow, uh, monitor, watch the trends for, uh, and then evaluate if you did in fact succeed in, in achieving that goal. So all of these elements we've been talking about, Jeff, they all you know uh, play a critical part uh, to that eventual step of, of measurement and looking back now and seeing if everything you did was correct. Uh, and the thing about community is that it can benefit so many different areas of a brand, not just customer success. There are aspects of marketing, aspects of support, um, product, sales, um, so many areas that it can, it can benefit as well. Um, I've got a a resource I'll share at the end of this on my website, a free resource that people can download if you want some guidance into what some of those metrics that matter are. Uh, So we could, you know, do what we got, we could do like a five part series on every single area that it benefits. Um, But so what I'll just leave everyone with though, on talking about metrics is that if you didn't properly define that in the beginning as a goal and identify the metrics around that goal that, we're going to help you tell the story, you're going to be lost and you're going to be all over the place. And you're also going to be spouting off a lot of individual metrics that, like like you said, Jeff, don't have a story around them. Uh, So try to identify all that ahead of time in the beginning. So when you're ready to take those steps and measure, you, you know what you're going back to, you know what you needed to capture, and now you know what you need to the story you need to tell a little bit about how did we prove this goal or how didn't we, why didn't we meet this goal? Well, these metrics fell short. Here's how they were, you know, they, they complement each other or, or work with each other and so forth. So, uh, that's a, a lot and a little bit of time. Metrics is a big, is a big subject.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was actually going to ask too, like, is there a common, um, I know you the answer is probably it's, it's different for all, but is there like a common scenario, um, or a common kind of thread that you see around, um, One of the, like you said, there's kind of like maybe four or five use cases that you typically see. And so is there one that you can um, talk through really quick about, okay, you know, here's kind of a, a common example and here's some of the metrics that might be around that. Is there anyone that kind of sticks out for you that you see popping up more and more?
1: Yeah, usually from uh, the support case, I think might be one of the easiest to prove. Uh, And so when you're looking at your community and you're trying to see how much it might have saved you on support costs, um, usually your support team has already kind of generated, you know, uh, I guess the the cost per call or cost per ticket or something it's taking for an agent to deal with one particular support request. All right. But if the steps of that request or if the question and solution are already on the community and people can just go and reference that and re-reference that and, oh, over and over again, uh, that is ideally hoping to save on taking up your agent's time on submitting more tickets and things. So there are things you can view on the community and metrics from a support standpoint, seeing how many people have viewed a solution, marked certain solutions, commented on solutions, uh, and, and, and figure out, you know, from there, the ROI that you've earned just on, on that aspect alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There are the the other part that I think about is funny, you know, as you look at the ROI and proving some of these things is, um, there's definitely obviously the quantitative way of proving ROI, right? I also think like the other thing that we need to be okay with or more comfortable with is bringing the qualitative side of ROI to like getting some of those quotes from people that say, oh my gosh, like I got so much value from sharing a best practice or asking a question in the community because I got, you know, four responses from fellow customers that were, um, you know, the same, like there are also like, um, I think sometimes, you know, we over, um, we overcorrect on like, Hey, we need data for everything. We need to make data decisions. And it's, you know, so true, but like sometimes you miss the storytelling aspect of, of what you can do. And if you can artfully pair the qualitative and the quantitative side, I think that's where you also get like such a big bang for your buck, because if you can bring in quotes that make the community more real, make the outcomes and the results come off the page and, and not just be a number, like that's such a big aspect as well. Like we've seen just like some of those come across that, um, you know, are just amazing. Cause it's like, oh, you know, I asked, a, I asked a question and I didn't expect 10 responses. And now I have like 10 different ideas that I could go look at. And this was, you know, such a great part or, um, oh, I was looking for that template and I was able to download it from somebody who was in the community who had shared it before. And so I think there's just little things like that too, that, you know, as people are thinking about the ROI, it's like bring in some of the qualitative stories because that, um, that sticks in people's minds as well, alongside of the numbers that you're, you're also trying to present.
1: You're right, Jeff. That's definitely one of the areas that doesn't get talked about as much or highlighted as much because maybe because it is a little harder and takes a little longer to pull in qualitative data. Yeah. Uh, and and another area of ROI that I have never seen studies on. I would love to see. I I, I don't wouldn't even know. The right way to put this necessarily, but I guess it's the ROI on how a community benefits the customer success professional as an individual. And so everyone's always talking about what the community does for a company's clients, right? Or even prospects, right? But yep. when it comes to the customer success individual, uh, I, I wrote some of these things down because I knew I would forget, right? Uh, let's talk about from a training perspective. Let's talk about the wealth of information that's on a community for that person to start to get up to date with what their tasks need to be. The product knowledge. Uh, the hopefully if your community is is doing it right in my opinion like a centralized area for events that they can be directing their customers to the customer examples and testimonials I've seen a lot of these where it's the customers themselves just going on a community and saying oh my gosh we did this we got this great uh, response rate or something and uh, you know so for a new customer success professional to be looking at all that information um, that will help them get ramped up so much quicker and yeah, I just I, I don't know how you would measure that <laughs> yeah, or how, yeah. how, you know, but what and that would be interesting to to have some data around at some point, you know, is like how much of a difference does the community make for the customer success for a new customer success person. Yeah. Um, and I think it would make a, a huge difference because when I have worked with customer success professionals who have jumped on to be part of a community. You get great qualitative quotes from them too. Like, oh my gosh, this helped me understand this product so fast. Um, this helped me connect my customer to this person because I saw them talking about the same issue on or the same idea that they had on the community. Yeah, there's there's a lot there that also isn't being discussed as well, Jeff.
0: Yeah, no, I love that, um, and that seems like a I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that I'm gonna steal that or I'm gonna borrow it, and I'm gonna make a LinkedIn post out of that because that is a good. Mm-hmm. Um, thing to think about is like, what's the benefit for a CSM, um, as you think about mm. it, I'll tag you, I'll make sure and give you credit, but, Thanks. Um, yeah, I love that angle. Well, especially cause I, you know, I think more and more in the future, the, the question that CS leaders are always trying to ask themselves are, you know, we all, we all want the customer to be successful at the end of the day. We all want to try and give as much attention as we can, but just the sheer economics of a business doesn't allow us to. Um, and so we have to get creative. We have to find ways that we can engage, you know, in, in a one to many scale, and, um, and I think of community as, as like, a, something that's just been underutilized by customer success leaders. And like you said, right. Like if I'm a CSM, like one of the other aspects I wrote down, um, it might fit into one of yours that you already listed, but one of the other ones is like, I can actually create like a space for my customers to engage with, with each other. Like I could actually introduce like I could introduce Jenny and my other customer together on the community. um, And like, they could get benefit from one another. They could network with each other, share ideas. And so like, that's something else that could go under the radar, but now I've got a way that I can introduce my customers to one another. um, And, you know, they can benefit and I don't have to be in the room, right? They're going to talk to each other. They're going to share and we'll kind of get credit for that. They're going to, they're going to be tied together because of us. Um, And so that was just another one that I think kind of falls into that bucket. You were just mentioning.
1: I kind of equate that to back when we could safely have in-person events. And I know a lot of customer success professionals who would organize a little happy hour for their customers, right? Well, you don't have to wait for these events anymore. You can now do this on your digital community and, and your customers can meet each other right there and start talking right away. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, definitely another great advantage.
0: I like it. Um, What is one, what is like one program over the years that you've run in your community, kind of like of the programming that you've been able to kind of execute? What's one that maybe sticks out that you thought was like fun or beneficial, or you felt like, you know, hit a metric, but is there something that kind of sticks out as you think about, oh man, we were able to run this program for these members and it just turned out so well. Um, Is there anything that kind of stands out? I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's many, but. Is there one? Yeah.
1: So something that really jazzes me is anytime a brand creates an ambassador program, or sometimes they call it a VIP program or a super user program. And I've, thankfully, I've never seen one of these go wrong. These programs just enhance the community experience. They enhance the relationship between the customer and the brand. And it's such a perk, such a perk for the members. And I've just had a lot of, um, Fortunate moments in my career to work with brands that have executed this wonderfully. I think of Intuit ex- executing their champions program uh, and Sephora executing their ambassadors program. Um, and th- there's a lot of other people out there doing similar things, and I've got a list of that too. Uh, uh, Alteryx has their aces. HubSpot has the hub fans, Atlassian has the community leaders. Um, Yeah, so I always think it's really exciting to start up a program like that because it also marks a milestone of where you are in your community. Um, These programs don't do as well starting off if you are a very young community, if you are less than six months old. Don't start one of these up yet. Um, but when you do, uh, these individuals who are part of the program they usually serve as, you know, excellent ambassadors, welcoming new members, setting an example for the kind of behavior people should have in it. Uh, and then usually they're also giving some kind of feedback or um, uh, information, you know, back to the community manager or back to parts of the of the brand itself. Uh, yep. So you know, both uh, both parties are getting. Mutually mutual benefits out of this is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah. And it's really exciting. And it's, also, it's just, it's a fun program to plan for a community as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I'll have to give a shout out to our community manager for hug, which is our higher logic community, uh, for our customers. Um, Katie Rayburn has, um, been running that and she just expanded our MVP group. And so she's been doing, going through and doing um, one-to-one onboarding for those people um, in, in January. You know, it's kind of a one-on-one onboarding to what it, mean, what it means to be an MVP, um, you know, talking through um, what the benefits are, um, you know, what our expectations are of those MVPs, you know, how we can get them involved, what they can do, what they can share. Um, how, but it, just like you said, it kind of starts it off on such a great foot, though, because Um, we kind of bring them into this meeting and it's not just a, Hey, there's 50 people here, you know, congratulations. You all made it. It's like, no, Hey, we want this to feel um, good. We want to actually build this relationship with you. This is actually a connection with you. um, And, you know, Katie, our hug community managers, now you all are starting to establish that relationship and it's another connection point to our business. Um, But it's because of all the work that they've been doing, you know, you're, you've been representing, um, yourself in our community for so long and you've been doing such great things that that's a, a big benefit that we try and do. So shout out to Katie for doing that for us.
1: That's fantastic. That hug has a program like that as well.
0: Yeah, for great sure. Job. Um, one, I'll give you, um, one thing that I'm pretty proud of in terms of a program or something. I don't know if I would call it a program, but it's like something that I just, I think we've been able to execute with Gangrotain, and it was, it's been kind of since day one. So, um, We, as people get onboarded, um, we have like a series that goes to people. And one thing that I'm just proud of in that sequence is, um, I like to, so I've studied and thought a lot about copywriting over the past two to three years, like just, um, how much it matters, how you can really change and get results when you start thinking about the verbiage that you're using, how you're talking, um, how you're writing. And, And so, um, we use a, just a plain email that basically goes out to every new member Uh, I don't know if you remember this from when you joined or not, but it asks one question and says, Hey, Hey, Jenny, what's your why? And it's really trying to understand, like, why did you join the community? And so it is an email that has like, I think less than 30 words in it, but it's like, Hey, Jenny, what's your why question mark here? What some other people have said. And then I give like one or two examples. And then I say, so, you know, tell me why'd you join the community? Um, And you would be shocked that like people, I get like almost three to four responses on that a day. Um, into my inbox. And I get to respond to those people. I get to build this connection, but um, people I think this almost goes back to our point around surveys and other things, right? like people just enjoy when you ask or do something that's a little bit out of the ordinary when it's like, Oh, it's not just your standard onboarding email. It says, Hey, here's 20 links. And here's where you go. It's actually like a, a thing where I'm, I'm trying to figure out, Hey, what are you interested in here? And if I can do anything to help right as you join, that's probably going to be a really big benefit for you coming back to the community. So if you say, Hey, I'm really interested in networking. Cool. I'm going to respond and say, here's where you can go do like all this great networking. Or if you say, Hey, I have a question I'm trying to ask perfect. Here's where you can go do that. Right. So if I can get back to you so quickly that you get an immense amount of value, right. in that first interaction, you're so much more likely to come back. And so that's just something that I've been proud of. Um, I respond a little less than I need to these days. So I got to get back on that, but, um, at least just getting that engagement and response right in the beginning has been something that I felt was pretty cool
1: fantastic prompt for engagement too, Jeff. It makes me curious about everyone listening to us right now. All of you, what's your why? Why, why, why did you play this episode? What was it about, you know, that intrigued you? Why did you subscribe to this podcast? tweet us or LinkedIn us or something. Tell us. Yeah, You got me so curious now.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, I I thought it'd be awesome. I know you mentioned um, you've got a couple of thoughts just around um, a recent ebook that has come out around kind of 2022 and trends and customer success. And, um, in community. And so, um, let's end with a a couple of your thoughts and see if we've got any, see if we've got any big takes for 2022, see if you agree or disagree with what's happening.
1: Well, of course, I agree with everything in that (laughs) report about (laughs) self-service because, yes, that is uh, essentially the kind of communities I'm building are self-service. So uh, I think, you know, you talking about the power of self-service and how that is going to benefit customer success as a profession, um, I was just nodding my head as I was reading through that. So uh, and there are so many you can go even deeper. You could do your own report on, on, on self-service for customer success itself. So I love that the importance of, you know, digital transformation, um, digitizing things to make that life easier on your customer success professionals. And the light bulb went off for me when I heard that in that, you know, all your communications with customers and all the different areas of your product or your website, you know, um, make sure you're linking to community, you know, and and because that is a really easy opportunity for people to click on that and get into this digital space where so many more opportunities and connections might happen without the customer success professional having to do anything, right? So link to community as much as possible. And I think that will aid in those efforts for, you know, digitizing transformation. Uh, yeah. But what, I, what really spoke to me the most and even changed my mind on something, Jeff, was uh, the section around where CS sits in an organization One of the questions I get a lot from my clients, from prospects, just a lot of people interested in in customer communities. Where should this community live in our our organization, in our company? Uh, It is one of the top questions that I get. And my go-to answer has usually been that in a perfect world, oh, I thought, you know, community would stand alone. It wouldn't report to anyone necessarily. As I was reading this report, though, and the report was going into all the touch points that customer success has with all the departments of a company, all the teams, it was just becoming more clear to me. And I I think I'm going to publicly declare for the first time that I'm changing my stance and that I believe, that these communities need to live under customer success. Because when you think about the role of a community manager and every person on that community manager's team, they have to interact with product, with support, with marketing, with, they have to act, interact with so many different things. You never know what kind of questions are going to be po- uh, you know, put up on the community. And it's very similar to how customer success professionals have to be that hub as well. So I'm officially declaring it. I'm saying it out loud that I believe communities belong in customer success. Boom. All right.
0: I might, Anyone can I might challenge make, me on
1: that, but that's I might have to stance. make
0: the title of this episode, uh, like that exact quote, you know, that's just the title of the episode is we, we were able to get Jenny to, um, no, I, I love, I love how you, um, said that though, because I, I, I mean, I've thought quite a bit about it, right. I mean, we, we've come from the customer success angle. And as I've learned more and more about communities running one myself, and then also being involved with all of our customers now over the last two years, like I, I, agree with what you're saying. Because I think the other thing that tends to happen um, that you want to try and um, get involved with, right, is, is typically what's starting to happen is our customer success teams are building the right processes and relationships with other parts of the organization. And so if you can just readily tap into something that exists already in terms of a process. So, hey, we have a process for customer success managers to make sure that we're pushing over the right ideas to product and kind of getting their eyes on certain things or, you know, bugs or whatnot. Like, if we already have a process for that, oh my gosh, think about if we could just plug the community into that. um, And we, you know, we have another kind of source of data to plug in and kind of move that over, man, it it already exists. It's already there. We've got the relationship. Um, Just like you said, oh, you know, we're, we're already working with marketing on certain webinars or things that are happening with customers. Great. Perfect. We'll just, you know, lump that in and kind of bring that over. And so I agree. Like, I think the other thing that this um, is starting to um, at least maybe become more clear for myself as well is that, the, the point you made earlier about self-service and um, one, I think that kind of gets a negative connotation. Sometimes I think people are like, oh, self-service is like meaning we're not investing in customers. And it's like, no, we, it's an aspect that we're actually investing in, right? We're building out more resources for somebody to go get Answers and quicker responses, and like you said, finding the collaboration points. Maybe I want to go to the community. Maybe I want to go to knowledge. Maybe I want to go to academy. Like that doesn't mean that any of those are better or worse. It just means that there is one um, flavor for that type of moment or situation that I find myself in. Um, And so that's another reason where I think communities fit in uh, alongside of those things. Um, And and now it's just a regular part of our discussion. We actually have. Um, you know, teams now that around Academy, around our knowledge base, around support and around our community. And those four are interfacing so regularly that like, it's just such a nice, nice aspect. Um, And that's because they, they all live on this customer organization and it's kind of fit together in a nice, um, a nice little realm. So I I tend to agree with you. I think it's, I think it's a good landing spot uh, for people to think about.
1: And to echo what you said, there is a way to invest in self-service and still have it be a superb experience for your customer. So yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. There's there's definitely uh, more to come. Well, this has been awesome. Um, I loved, you know, we kind of talked through a couple of different things here, but we talked to how and where to get started, uh, a little bit about how you think about kind of the research process, um, even before you, you know, you jump in. Uh, we talked a little bit about ROI. I think it's a big question um, that people, you know, tend to think about. And then, I, you know, uh, the last part here we just hit on was um, a little bit about uh, a report that came out from, um, higher logic and vanilla, just about the state of customer success. And, um, some of the big trends that we see in 2022, which we'll link into the description and, and see if people can download as well. Uh, but Jenny, this has been awesome. I, uh, I love, you know, what you've been putting out. I know you've been uh, very active on uh, social media and your website and putting out content. Like you said, you've got resources that people can download. So, um, if people want to find more, uh, more Jenny Weigel, where can they make that happen?
1: Probably the best place to go is my website. So just type into your browser, jenny.community. And those free resources that I mentioned earlier on can be found if you just click on the resources section. And I think those would help a lot of uh, uh, customer success professionals out there.
0: Awesome, cool. Well, we, um, we appreciate the time. We're gonna do this again here soon. I've, I have a feeling that you're gonna be a, a, another or a regular guest here because I think we've got more to talk about community as the year goes on. Um, so we'll try and uh, try and get you on here again soon.
1: Ooh, Jeff, I'd be thrilled. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Alrighty, See you soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.